0: It's good to have the Newmans with us this evening. Uh, just one other note, deacons, if I could meet with you really quickly after the service, just up in the um, that room right there. If I could meet you up there uh, after the service, that would be great. Let's open it with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this evening we do rejoice that your mercies are new every morning, that your mercies will never cease, and they will never fail. We Rejoice that our God is a merciful God, because we are a people in desperate need of mercy. Heavenly Father, even as we look at this psalm this evening, we pray that you would be lifted up, that as we see the mercy of God, as we see the hope that David has even in circumstances, that are out of his control. May we be encouraged. May we be reminded that we who are in Christ have that same hope and that your mercies are new every morning. And may you be honored in all that is said and done this evening. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 57. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God, Most High, to, whom, to, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions, I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongues a sharp sword. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, let your glory be above all the earth. They prepared a net for my steps, my soul is bowed down, they have dug a pit before me, and to the midst of it they themselves have fallen, Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory Be above all the earth. Even as we read that psalm, Psalm 57, you may sense the feeling in that psalm. It is is hopeful. It is not one of these psalms in which David is down in the dumps. It's very similar to what we saw last week. It's very similar in nature to Psalm 56. Even though David finds himself in the midst of trouble... In fact, it tells us at the beginning of Psalm 57 it's to the chief musician set to do not destroy a miktam of David when he fled from Saul into the cave. We know these stories well when David is on the run, when he's in the cave. And yet even in the midst of that, in the back of that dark cave was Saul and the armies of Israel giving chase to him. Even there, He writes this hope-filled psalm. There's a chorus. It's repeated twice throughout this psalm. It's found first in verse 5. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. It's repeated then in verse 11. You can kind of split the psalm into the two stanzas. uh, Verses 1 to 4 and then verses 6 to 10 uh, based on those two choruses. And the first thing you see in these first several verses of Psalm 57, verses 1, uh, really through 4, is you see David's prayer of hope. As you read, which is an interesting place to start, because as you read the introduction to this psalm, when David fled from Saul into the cave... You almost start into verse 1, expecting it to be one of those psalms where David starts with, my heart is, is troubled, oh God, all these things are going on, I am lost, I am confused. And you get a completely different feel. In fact, it starts out with a cry for mercy. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful. The repetition there emphasizes the, the immediate need for this Mercy. It's the cry of the righteous in need. Be merciful. Show me mercy. The righteous don't make demands of God. We make requests. Give me mercy. I need mercy. Notice also what he goes on to say. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me because you've made a promise to me that I will be king. Because I have killed this many men, or I've done this to Goliath, or, or because of all the good things that I have done, be merciful to me, O God. Is that what he says? No, be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O God, not because of who I am, not because of what I have done, but because of who you are. You are a merciful God, and I am trusting in you. Spurgeon notes that even faith does not deserve mercy, but it always wins it from the sovereign grace of God when when asked in sincerity. We don't deserve God's mercy, and yet God hears our prayer and gives us mercy. In fact, it goes on, that next phrase, in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge... It's the, that is the picture of what David has said earlier in the verse. I am trusting in you. In fact, I am trusting in you like a, like a, a young bird who, who gets up next to its mother under their wings. It is the safest place to be in the shadow of those wings next to the mother's breast. It's the best place, the safest place to be. It is warm. It is dry. It is safe. David's cry of mercy here in verse 1 reminds me of uh, times when I'm wrestling with my kids. They like to call, for some reason, when, when the boys were younger, we'd, we'd wrestle. And in their minds, when we're wrestling, I'm the bad guy and they're the good guy. And so they always say, Dad, can we play bad guy? That's what they call it. They call wrestling bad guy. So they say, Dad, can we play bad guy? And they love to wrestle. And yet, every time as we go to wrestle, they know that I'm stronger than them. They know that they don't stand a chance. And there's times when we're wrestling when I might show them I am stronger than you. I might hold them down so that they cannot get up, I might tickle them. But even in that, they know that I will not go too far. I will always heed their cry for mercy. Because they know that I love them. They know that I am stronger than them. They know that, I am, that they are at my mercy, and yet they know that I will give them mercy because of who I am. I am their dad. I love them. I care for them. That's what we see here with David. David is not saying, God, I deserve your mercy. He's saying, God, I know who you are. You are a merciful God. Show me that mercy. I know that you care for me. I know that you love me. I know that you will not push me too far. In fact, even in his cry here in verse 1, there's almost a recognition of God's sovereignty. Be merciful to me. There's a recognition that, God, you're in control. This situation that I find myself in is not something that's outside of your control. And that's why I come to you. Show me mercy, God. You're in control. You can stop this. You can fix this. You can take care of this. You know where I am. You know what's going on. Show me mercy, God. Because I am trusting in you in the shadow of your wings. I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. Because the mercies of God never end. And the calamities will pass by. But God will remain. That's David's hope. That God will hear him. That God will show him mercy. And that God is greater than this evil that is against him. This evil will pass away. It will move on. It will pass by. But you will remain forever. And so I will hide in the shadow of your wings. My soul will trust in you. Verse 2 goes on. I will cry out to God most high, the God who performs all things for me. He's the God that I am dependent on. And just as he performs all things for me, just as I am dependent on him when, when things are going good, so I'm dependent on him when things are going bad. He shall send from heaven and save me. God will hear my cry, and if he has to, he will send salvation from heaven itself. He will save me. He will not abandon me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. It's almost as if that is just a comfort to David. He just takes a break there. Just pause and think about that. God would open heaven itself to save me. He would not let me be overcome. He would reproach the one who would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. David has cried for mercy, and now he rehearses the truth that God will send forth his mercy. God will send his mercy to save, and he will send his truth to triumph. He will send it forth. She comes to verse. Four, really verses 4 to 6, uh, even going over the chorus here, you have David now bringing forth the setting of, of what's going on. My soul is among lions. I lie among, among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. The picture here is something that is fierce. Of ter- my, my enemies are fierce. They are terrifying. They are ravenous. They are consuming. My soul is among lions. Immediately, if you're like me, your mind probably goes to Daniel the lion's den. Sitting there, surrounded by these ravenous beasts. Knowing at any moment they could pounce. There was a time when I was in uh, high school, I think it was my senior year in high school, either that or my junior year at Bob Jones, or my freshman year at Bob Jones, and uh, my friends and I went camping in this, this really neat waterfall that's not about an hour, hour and a half outside of Greenville, and so we went up there and we went, we went camping there this night. We decided we were gonna camp there. We'd gone up there all the time to go swimming and there's this little rock you could slide into a pool and, and we'd gone up there all the time. To, this time we decided we're gonna spend the night, we're gonna camp, so we packed our stuff, We drove up there, and and we got settled in, and then it came time to go to bed. It was like, you know, late at night, it's dark. And we're unpacking, and I realize I don't have my sleeping bag. (laughs) Apparently, what had happened is sometime between the car and our campsite, my sleeping bag had fallen off my pack, or whatever, and it was just, it wasn't there. And uh, it was about somewhere between a mile or two out to the car. And so it's the middle of the night, and so my friend's like, Well, I'll go with you. We'll hike back out in the dark with these flashlights and follow the trail, and we'll try to find these, the, your sleeping bag again. So we get out, and we get all the way out to the car, and there it is, literally right next to the car. It must have just fallen off at the very beginning. And so we're walking back through the woods, pitch black, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the woods, no one around for forever. And then we hear a rustling in the woods. And it's not the rustling of a squirrel. This is a big rustling. And this is the area where, I mean, there are bears in, this, in these woods. And so we start getting scared. And, it, and it, we probably shouldn't have done this, but we just took off running. <laughs> that was probably not the best thing to do at all. And we just ran back to our campsite. We got comfortable around the fire, and then we were fine. We ended up seeing anything. But that line, my soul is among lions, it kind of reminds me of that feeling as I'm walking through the woods at night and I hear something and it's big and it sees me and it knows where I am and it's, in my mind at least, ravenous and hungry and it wants me. I can't see it, but it sees me. It's ready to pounce at any moment. That's how I felt in that moment. I was terrified. That's kind of the description here of David. My soul is among lions. I'm hiding in this cave, and they're out there. They're ready to pounce. They're ready to get me. They're described as they they are set on fire. The idea is they are ravenous. They are consuming. Their teeth are spears and arrows. Their tongue, a sharp sword. They are fierce. They are terrifying. Even though David expresses hope in verses 1 to 4, here in verse 4, he's reminding us, but I'm in a serious situation. I trust you, God. I need mercy. But just as a reminder, this is what I'm facing. This is real. And then verse 5, he breaks out in the chorus. Be exalted, O God. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sins of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue is a sharp sword. But... But this is my cry in the midst of all of this. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Be lifted up. Let your glory be above all the earth. In this situation that I am in, as I cry out for mercy, be exalted, O God. I find it interesting that David's really the the theme of this psalm, if you look at the chorus, David starts with a cry for mercy in verse 1, but the theme is, be glorified, God. Show me mercy, but, but if not, regardless, be glorified. Be exalted. Let your glory be above all the earth. That is the cry of David's heart, most basically. Regardless of the situation, regardless of what happens, As my enemies are against me, I I trust you, God. And you know that I need mercy. And I know that you are watching me. I know that you are taking care of me. But most, basically, my desire is that you would be exalted. That your glory would be above all the earth. That you would get the glory to your name. He goes on to verse 6 kind of returns to his situation. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me. They seem so great. They seem so terrifying. They seem so organized. They seem so big and so powerful. And they seem to have me penned in. Is that not how we always feel when we find ourselves in trouble? We find ourselves... Trapped or scared. We find ourselves in a situation like David finds himself here. We see our our situation through our feelings. We we feel like the enemy is so great. They are so terrifying. They are so organized. They are so powerful. They are surrounding me. I am trapped. And I love the end of verse 6 here. And into the midst of it, they themselves have fallen. They're not that big and powerful. They're not so organized. They're not so terrified. They're not so great. My God is greater. The end of verse 6 is is a surprising development, really. David's here expounding that they are terrifying. They're scary. They are ravenous. They've prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They've dug a pit. They are prepared. They are ready. And then they fall into it themselves. They fall to their own trap. So as you come to the end of verse 6, David's trouble is over. And as you move into verse 7, David's praise continues. And that's a key word. Note that. David's praise continues. David's praise does not start in verse 7. David does not start praising God once his situation is taken care of. Once his enemies are gone. That's not when he starts praising God. He started that in verse 1. Even when he was in the midst of the situation. Even when he didn't know what was going to go on. Even when these enemies who are like lions, who who are like a fire, who are ravenous, who have teeth like spears and arrows and their tongue is sharp and sore. David was praising God even then. And so once his situation is cared for, once his enemies are taken care of, David is continuing that praise. He's not starting it new here. And I love verse 7. My heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. A steadfast heart is a heart that's at rest. It's not a heart that is racing. It's not a heart that is troubled. It's a heart that is at rest. And David repeats it. He wants us to know. My heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. Because my God is faithful. My God is merciful. And so, with my steadfast heart, I will sing and give praise. I will sing and I will give praise. God has sent forth his mercy and his truth, as David prayed in verse 3. Now, David sends forth his praise. Awake, my glory my inmost part, my soul, awake. Wake up and praise your God who has done this great work. Awake, lute and harp. Join me in praising my God. I will awaken the dawn. I love that line. I will awaken the dawn. It's not David's troubled heart that keeps sleep from him. It's not David's troubled heart that keeps him from going to sleep or that keeps him from waking, from getting sleep in the morning. It is David's joyful praise that keeps him up all night. I will awake in the dawn, not because I am troubled, not because I am tossing and turning all night long as I run these scenarios through my mind, as I worry, as I'm afraid, as I'm scared. That is not what has kept me up. What has kept me up is the mercy of my God, the greatness of my God, the glory of my God, the faithfulness of my God. I cannot help but sing his praise. I cannot help but awaken the dawn because of what God has done for me. So I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations i cannot help but to speak of my merciful god who has done this for me i cannot help but to tell it just it bursts forth i just i i want to talk i can't keep it in i'm excited i'm overcome I will sing to you among nations. I will tell all who will hear for your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. It cannot be measured. It cannot be contained. And then we come to the chorus again. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Be exalted, O God. May that be the cry of every single one of our hearts. Regardless of the situation that we find ourselves in this evening, regardless of what situations will pop up this week, regardless of how bad it may get against us, may our cry always be, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, let your glory be above all the earth. In fact, back up and take a look at this psalm. And note David's mindset in the midst of this psalm, in the midst of all this trouble. There's 31 lines in this psalm. 31 lines. And of those 31's, 21 of those lines are hopeful. They are praising God. Only 10 lines talk about his situation. Put yourself in David's shoes. How many times have you found yourself in a situation in which it, it is running heavy on your heart? You don't know the outcome. You don't know what lies ahead. You don't. You have no idea what God is doing. You feel like David here, that, that there are lions. Your soul is among lions. You find yourself in a fierce and a terrifying situation. And how many times in the midst of that is your focus mostly on your hope in God? This situation tends to dominate our hearts and our thoughts, does it not? Look at David here. Of 31 lines, 21 of them are hopeful. Only 10 reference in any way the situation in which he finds himself. I think that points us to David's hope, which comes from his mindset. David interprets his circumstances through his God. As he looks out at the circumstances, he looks out at these enemies who are like lions who surround him, who are terrifying, who are fierce. He sees them through God. He first recognizes that his God is in control, that his God is sovereign, that his God is is for him, as he said in Psalm 56. And then he sees his circumstances through those truths. If my God is good, if my God is sovereign, if my God is working all things for my good, if my God is for me, if my God has made me this promise and this promise and this promise and this promise, then as I see this problem, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's still terrifying, and I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is I know these things about God. And when we, when we interpret our circumstances through what we know of God, it helps us to keep our focus. I want to go back to this quote from uh, W. Graham Scroggie from Psalm 54. He says this in Psalm 54 and I think it applies perfectly to this psalm, the perspective of this prayer is noteworthy. The The supplicant looks at his enemies through God and not at God through his enemies. His attitude is that of the two spies and not of the ten. If we begin with God, the enemy will dwindle. But if we begin with the enemy, we may never reach God. David begins with God here. He sees his circumstances through who he knows his God to be. And that gives him hope. That is why David's whole outlook in this psalm is so positive. It's not because David is unlike us. It's not because David is more spiritual than us or better than us. It's because David had the right focus. And we can have that same focus because we serve that same God. We must choose to look to him. To interpret our circumstances through God rather than to interpret our understanding of God through our circumstances. And so, by way of application, as we go to prayer here in a second, as we bring our requests, even as we bring these requests, start with God. Don't be overcome by your requests. Before you bring them to God, start with God. Recognize that you are bringing your requests to a God who is great. To a God who is in control, who is sovereign. A God who knows you, a God who hears you, a God who is intimately involved in the circumstances in which you find yourselves. A God who even as we saw uh, Sunday night in Daniel, A God who is at work and complete control on a universal level and on a meticulous level. A God who's in complete control. See your circumstances through that. Start with God. Secondly, be honest with your situation. Don't be scared to bear your heart before God. David doesn't hold back here. David is honest about what he's facing. He's honest about how he feels. God, this is no, I know you are, but my soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, their tongues are a sharp sword. David's not holding back. He's honest with God. This is what I'm facing. This is what I'm fearing. And this is what I need. I need your mercy. So start with God, but don't don't think that means that you have to sugarcoat the situation in which you're in. Start with God, but be honest with where you are. God knows you're not hiding anything from him. Bear your heart to God. Start with him. Be honest with him. And then end with him. Praise your God. So one of the things I love about this psalm is David's praise does not start after he gets out of his situation. It starts at the very beginning in verse 1. This is who you are. This is what I'm, I'm trusting in you, God. So choose to trust God even in the midst of the situation. And choose to praise Him when He answers that situation. Regardless of what the answer is, you can praise Him because He is good. So even as we bring our requests, even as we come to this point in the service, when we do uh, turn our hearts to prayer, remember who your God is. Start there. Then be honest. Bear your heart before Him. But then don't forget to praise Him. Don't forget to praise Him.